0: find your seat. You don't want to be left out in the dark today. We're going to have an amazing time here at Hillside Assembly. My name is Eric. I am the lead pastor here, and it's great to have you here today. If you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to stop by our table in the foyer and meet one of our board members. They've got some great free gifts that we'd like to put into your hands today. We do giving a little bit differently here at Hillside, And at the end of service, we will pray over our offering, and you can give in the giving box in our foyer, or you can give anytime online at uh, hillsideassembly.org. I've got just a couple of announcements that I want to touch base with, with you with, and then we will jump into worship today. Yesterday, we had a great wedding as Mason and Margaret got married. Some of you know them. They've been attending our church for a while. Had a great wedding outside in Green Lake, And the pastor got the bride's name right. So thank you for praying for me. Uh, That's always good. Uh, If you don't know the story behind that, the last wedding I did, I messed up and called the bride the wrong name. And uh, they they didn't attend our church (laughs) afterwards. But uh, we we really, really love uh, Mason and Margaret. If you get a chance to congratulate them, make sure to do so. Next weekend is a big weekend here at Hillside. We've got a couple things going on. Saturday, we've got our missions trip to City on a Hill in Milwaukee. And if you are planning to go on the late trip, I know some people are going early uh, to start working on projects uh, for electrical and painting and other things. They'll be leaving earlier. But the second bus leaves the church at 8.45 a.m. So be here at 8.30 because we are pulling out of the parking lot at 8.45. Uh, and then next Sunday, we will have special missionary guests, Wendell and Patty McClung, uh, with us. I was supposed to be on vacation next week, but we did have some weddings come up, uh, so we had to reschedule that. Our missionary was not able to reschedule, but we honor our commitments. And so uh, we'll have Wendell Wendell and Patty with us next week. You're going to love them uh, as they share their heart for what God is doing in Europe. And so we will enjoy that. And then next Sunday, right after Uh, the worship experience. We've got a worship team meeting, so worship team members, if you can be here, that would be phenomenal. About a 20-minute meeting, if we can meet right after the worship experience, that would be great. Now, it is Missions Emphasis Sunday. Does anybody love our missionaries? Oh, man, they do so much for us. It's great to have great partners, and this morning, I get to introduce you to one of our new partners, we weren't able to have them for a live service. I really wanted to make that happen. It would not work out with our schedule. But this couple is absolutely amazing. Uh, they're the Shepherds. And uh, she, Sarah Shepherd, used to be one of Hiro's students uh, at high school that he taught. Went on a missions trip with the church. Found Christ on the missions trip. Felt called by God to the mission field. And married somebody already on the mission field. Uh, And so they are doing some great work. So to introduce you to them, we've got a video this morning.
1: Hi, we're John Mark and Sarah Shepherd, and we serve as missionaries with SIM in Liberia, along with our three kids, Audrey, Noah, and James. Liberia is a small country on the west coast of Africa and is home to over 30 ethnic groups, each with their own language. Our work in Liberia is focused on one of these tribal groups called the Manya.
2: I grew up as a missionary kid in Liberia and in the Ivory Coast. But I didn't learn about the Manya people until I returned to Liberia after college and started working with Samaritan's Purse. This was in 2005, shortly after the end of the 14-year civil war in Liberia. I found that the Manya were a people group almost totally unreached with the gospel. But as I led a team of Liberians working in their communities, teaching about preventing common diseases through the Community Health Evangelism program, I saw that they were very open to our teaching, even when we shared stories from the Bible.
1: Living in the beautiful forested hills of northern Liberia and southern Guinea, the Manya make a living through merchants, drivers, and mechanics. For the Manya people, being Muslim is a core part of their cultural identity. The Manya only converted to Islam in the last century, and many continue to practice aspects of African traditional religion. They believe strongly in an unseen world of spirits and powerful forces, and often use charms and spells for blessing and protection, as well as to put curses on their enemies.
2: My experience working in the Manya villages led me to understand that if the Manya people were going to be reached with the Gospel, they would need to be able to hear the Word of God in their own language. During this time, I met Sarah, who came to Liberia to teach for a few months. After we married in 2009, we spent a few years in the States as I pursued training in linguistics, Bible translation, and missions. We joined SIM, and then in January 2013, we moved to Northern Liberia when Audrey was nine months old and Sarah was pregnant with Noah.
1: The town of Vonjuma where we live is very remote. It's at least a ten-hour drive from the city over some terrible roads which often become impassable during the rainy season. But it's a pretty place to live and we enjoy the beauty of nature we get to see every day.
2: After building a house and getting settled in Vonjima, I began working with native speakers to develop a writing system for their language, and we started the translation project with the book of Genesis. <laughs> I also developed a literacy program, training teachers to teach people in their communities how to read and write in their own language. Many of the students have had little opportunity for formal education, and it's very re- rewarding to see the joy on the students' faces as they pick up a book and read stories in Manya for themselves most of my time in liberia is spent managing the literacy program as well as working with my translation team to produce written and audio scripture resources i love taking the scriptures we are translating and using them for village bible studies leading people to discover the treasures of god's word for themselves
1: While John Mark focuses on the translation and literacy work, I keep things going at home and in our community. I spend much of my day homeschooling our children, and for the last nine years I've been helping to care for the many children in our immediate neighborhood. Most of these children have had at least one parent die or abandon them. The single parent is gone most of the time, and children are left to care for each other. I cook for them daily, as well as for the guys on the translation team and others. We provide the children with medical care, counseling, tutoring, and discipleship, and we advocate for them when issues of their safety and well-being arise. We have a lot of fun, too, with birthday and holiday parties and an annual community Christmas pageant. In the evenings and weekends, I visit the women in our town, offering prayer and encouragement. I never expected that one day my closest friends would be African Muslims, but despite the major differences in our worldview, that is what has happened. I have also been able to facilitate a number of trauma counseling groups where participants work through the traumatic things they have seen and experienced, everything from the deaths of their children to surviving kidnapping and violent war crimes, and then showing them how they can bring their pain and grief to God for healing. And finally, even though we live in a remote part of the country, we end up having a fair number of visitors that pass through, making hospitality a pretty big part of our lives. We've hosted hundreds of guests from more than 30 countries. Some stay for only a night or two, while others have lived with us for months at a time.
2: Liberia is a very challenging place to live, but we thank God for sustaining us through betrayals, major sicknesses, and the Ebola epidemic. He has given us the grace to overcome the temptation to give up, and we rejoice as we see God building his kingdom in Liberia.
0: Team if you come, great mission. They take the, the Great Commission very seriously. Go and make disciples. And Pam was just talking to me about Mark Ingram, Pastor Mark Ingram, sharing uh, sharing about that passage, and he says, you know, one of the, the 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 better way, the better interpretation of that from the natural language would be make disciples as you go. And what I love about this couple is they're making disciples everywhere they go. And that's what God has called all of us to do. As we go, as we do our life, as we live our life, we need to make disciples. And because of your generous giving to missions, we're able to come beside them and partner with them and continue to see the gospel written in the language of the native people so that they can understand what is being written. They just finished the New Testament. They've started on the Old Testament. And we get to be a part of that because of your generous giving to missions. So today, remember to give to missions. On top of your tithes and offerings, you can do that at the end of service. Would you stand to your feet? We want to pray for the shepherds. Pray for you because God's doing great things. The shepherds told me a story. We got together for lunch just a few weeks ago. And their youngest son uh, was, uh, was three. Is that right? It was about three years old. It was getting ready to celebrate a birthday. And they asked him, what do you want for your birthday? And he said, I want an otter. And so she went all over the place and she found this stuffed otter animal, and uh, he got it on his birthday, and he's like, well, I wanted a real one. (laughs) Don't tell me God doesn't hear the hearts of children. Later that afternoon, someone knocked on the door and said, we've rescued this baby otter. Would your family be willing to take it and nurse it back to health? And that boy got an otter for his birthday. (laughs) All right? God hears your prayers this morning, church. He is awesome, and he loves you and he wants to work in your life in amazing ways. Whatever otter you might need in your life today, God wants to be able to step in and provide that. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your house today. Lord, you're calling us to be disciples wherever we go on our journey to make disciples on the way. And Lord, we pray, Lord, over this service. We commit it to you that, God, you would do great and mighty things in people's lives. Lord, you know the people that walked in with a, with a heart that's heavy today. Lord, may you ease their burden. May you step into people's lives today who need a touch from you. We pray for Joan Gitzel right now this morning, that, God, you would make that neck correct in the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray with those who are suffering with physical conditions or with news that they just received of a medical kind, that, God, you would move in powerful ways. God, we lift up our missionary partners to you this morning. It's great to have partners around the globe that are sharing the gospel message. And we lift up the shepherds to you, Lord, as they go to a very unique place that, God, you have called them to, that they love deeply, and they love the people there, and the people love them. Lord, as they break through some of the hard ground that has been laid there, people that are stuck in darkness and stuck in theology that is not helping them, Lord, that the gospel message may bring them the light that they need. Lord, we thank you this morning to be able to partner with them, and we pray a blessing over our missionary giving today and over the offering that we'll do later, that, Lord, as we give with a heart of worship, God, I believe you will bless those who give and the finances that come in, that we'd be able to do more than we ever thought possible. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and God's people said, let's worship together this morning, church, amen?
3: be the name of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. i
0: Lord, as we transition to the preaching of your word, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Give us what we need. We don't want to miss you today, Lord. We know that you're here in this place as we gather together to call upon your name, to learn from your word, to do life together. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. You can be seated today. Anthony. Anthony. Does Jeb have something for us? No, he's on vacation. He, he went on vacation and I didn't. That's how that worked. So kids, we want to dismiss you today back there with Miss Jackie. If you're ready to go down to kids' church, you can go meet her right now. You guys are going to have a great time down there. I know what you guys are going to be doing, and I am super excited because it's Mission Sunday downstairs. Well, I am excited because we have arrived at the book of Acts. Uh, message series over two years in the making. When we started going through the book of Mark, I felt like God laid on my heart the next series that we're going to do. Have a thought proven, and the action is. Uh, if you go to a, see a movie, Summer Blockbuster, you probably are wanting to see an action movie. You're like, where's the action? Uh, where's the car chase? Where are those things? And believe me, there is plenty of that in the book of Acts. But we're going to take our time to get there because. All the details that are given in the book of Acts are for a purpose. And I think sometimes when we read the scriptures, we look at things and we, 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 we dig into some stories or some portions of the scripture more than others, but it's all there for a very particular reason. God's word was inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to men to write. And, and we need to take that full message and get what God is speaking to us. So we're going to take our time going through Acts. And so today is an introductory really to Acts, and we're looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Who's ready to get into Acts? All right, here we go. Let's buckle up and let's get into the scriptures together. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, So there's a lot to dig into in this passage. The book of Acts, is, uh, the book of Acts like the Gospel of Luke, is addressed to, addressed to a man named Theophilus. Although the author is not identified by name in either book, the unanimous testimony of the early church and the collaborative uh, internal evidence of the two books point to a common author of Luke, the physician, one of the disciples. The Holy Spirit prompted Luke to write the book of Acts to fill a need in the Gentile church for a full account of the beginning of Christianity. Acts is about the outpouring of the Spirit at Jerusalem and the subsequent development of the early church. The book of Acts covers the first 30 years of church history. As a church historian, Luke traces the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem to Rome, mentioning no fewer than 32 countries 54 cities, nine Mediterranean islands, 90 different people are mentioned by name, and a variety of government officials and administrators are mentioned by their titles. Luke has at least two purposes in in telling us about the church's early beginnings. One, he shows that the gospel moved triumphantly from the narrow borders of Judaism into the Gentile world in spite of opposition, persecution, and a dramatically shifting and changing culture. I see so many similar parallels to what the church went through in execution, and the culture is dramatic. The message from being productive, it's not going to stop the gospel message from being productive today, because Jesus built the church. The church is not something built by human hands. It's something that God has built, and it will last and it will be triumphant. So don't be discouraged by what you see out here because if we get what's right in here, out there is doable. It's doable. And we're going to find that out together in the weeks and months ahead. Number two, he reveals the role of the Holy Spirit's place in the church, the church's life, and in its mission. The Holy Spirit is God's provision for empowering the church to proclaim the gospel and to continue Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry didn't stop at at the cross and the resurrection. It continues today through the church. Luke's gospel records all that Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts describes what Jesus is continuing to teach after his ascension by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through his disciples in the early church, and continues to do today. When Jesus ascended into heaven, the last instruction of, to his disciples was to wait in Jerusalem until they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises the disciples they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them. Power to be what? Witnesses. Sometimes we get all messed up there, and we, we think that the Holy Spirit is about a lot of other things, but we'll tackle all that in the weeks ahead. But the Holy Spirit's purpose is to empower us to be witnesses for Christ, and witnesses specifically in three locations. The first one mentioned is Jerusalem. This is our neighborhoods. This is Ripon, or your community that you live in. You're empowered to be a witness in that way. We're also empowered to be witnesses in Judea and Samaria. This is our region or in our nation, and we are empowered to be witnesses there. And finally, number three is the ends of the earth, the faraway lands like the shepherds who are serving faithfully where God has called them. That's why strategic partnerships are so important to the church. The book of Acts contains the partnership of the divine and the human action. It's where God and and, and his creation come together and create something beautiful. The entire church, just not the apostles. I want you to say that. The entire church. Can you say that? The entire church. That includes you. The entire church, just not the apostles, were to preach the word wherever they went. They were make disciples as they go. Deacons like Stephen and Philip became mighty in the Holy Spirit and in faith, performing great wonders and miraculous signs. Entire communities were shaken by the gospel. Godly men prayed fervently, saw angels and visions, witnessed mighty signs and wonders, and drove out demons. They saw the healing of the sick and proclaimed the gospel with great boldness and authority. In spite of problems within the church, such as the Gentile tension, which was a very big deal and we'll cover, there was a lot of internal problems within the early church. We kind of sometimes go, oh, the early church, they had it so good. Believe me, they had ups and downs, and they had failures, and they worked through them, and God still moved. In spite of um, persistent persecution from the outside of the church by religious and civil authorities, the name of Jesus was magnified. And the word, both in word and in deed, in people's lives were touched and changed. Let's jump into where the disciples' mindset were as we pick up into Acts. What had they been through? What did the Scripture just talk to us about as we read it this morning? For three years, these twelve men who were the disciples, plus many others, had participated as a part of Jesus' two months. lungs had been knocked. That's what it would emotionally have felt. Your breath, and you're trying so hard to catch it. That's what it would emotionally have felt like for them. Remember, they were at a point where they thought things were absolutely at their best. When they entered Jerusalem uh, before Jesus' crucifixion, the crowds of people laid their clothes on the ground and welcomed him by singing song as he triumphantly entered into the city. They thought, this is the pinnacle. We're seeing it now. These three years have been for this. We're on top of the mountain. We've summited. This is great. It's fantastic. Incredible ministry. Less than a week later, Jesus is arrested, tortured, and executed. They went from their highest high to their lowest low. They were betrayed by one of their own, and afterwards, Judas takes his own life. Then came the resurrection. So now they've gone to the lowest point. Now they experience the resurrection of Jesus. Was Jesus really alive? Their minds were teetering on the edge of belief and unbelief. And remember, even Jesus goes, give me a a slice of that fish. I'm going to show you I'm not a ghost. I'm going to eat this. And you're going to see that I, I am here. I'm present. This is a real thing. So they're all over the map. And now Jesus ascends into the clouds with a promise of a gift of the Holy Spirit. They've been on a roller coaster. And then we see here are the disciples and Jesus is gone, they're all still looking up at the sky. Like, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> like, they're all in shock. In fact, two guys in white, maybe they were angels, maybe not, but show up on the scene and have to remind them, hey, guys, guys, guys you got to stop looking there. you. I know that you're bewildered here, but we got to get back on task. And sometimes I know we can feel that way. God shows up in our life, does something great, and we're in awe, and we're like, we're not quite sure what to do next. And here we see that God is so good, he provides a little nudge in the right direction. we got to keep moving. we got to keep moving forward. So I only have two points this morning, and the first point is this. The early church had no idea what to do or what to expect. These 11 men had no idea. They had been pulled and emotionally been, been all over the place up, down, left, right. Every time they thought they had something figured out, that's not what was happening. And here they are and they have no idea what to expect or what to do. And I want to tell you that they were clueless. But that is not to their detriment. It is to their benefit. That's exactly where God wanted them to be. Sometimes we like we like to have everything figured out. If you, are you one of those people? Come on, I like to have a plan. I like to know, and I look, when we go into things, I, you can talk to some of the people that I work really closely with here at the church. I usually like to have a plan that's laid out in very much a lot of detail. But over the last two years, God has been stretching me and going, it's good to have a plan, but you gotta have a little bit more wiggle room in there. Because it seems like we get to this place where we're like, yes, I know what I'm going to do. I know what they're gonna do or what you're gonna do. I I think I know what God's going to do. And then I, we know how the plan is supposed to work. And you know what happens when we get to that place in life? I think God just laughs a little bit. And I don't think he does it because he's mean, or he's like, oh, you think you got me figured out? Well, I think that he just goes, look, I'm God, you're not. And so so you think you got this figured out. And then he pulls the rug out, not to be mean to us, but to go, look, depend on me. Trust me, you don't have to have it all figured out the early church they were clueless but that's okay because jesus told them what the next step was they didn't have to have the next 30 years figured out they just needed to know where do i put my foot next when we were downtown and we were we were doing um the uh the downtown with the car show and everything yeah before you put your foot body weight jesus said Let me give you a firm foundation to the next step. It's not going to fail you. Here is the next step. It will hold your weight. It will hold the weight of life. We just need to know the next step. We don't need the entire blueprint. Because if we got it all, it would be overwhelming. And I've used this similar illustration in the past, but I think it's so good, I want to bring it back today. Uh, I don't know if any of your kids ever did Legos or do Legos, but Legos are pretty amazing. It's one of the top uh, top toys in the, in the world. Did you know that Legos are the number one producer of wheels in the world? That's true. They, they create more wheels and tires than any of the car manufacturers. But the largest Lego kit ever created was a few years ago with the special edition Lego Millennium Falcon from Star Wars. You can buy one of these for 800 bucks on Amazon. That's the retail price. There it is. That's not a kid. That's a a full-grown adult standing there. It's huge. It's huge. It has a total of 7,500 pieces. But take a look at the instruction manual that comes with it. 1,279 steps to put this together. In fact, I watched a video of some guys, Mythbusters. I don't know if you've ever seen Mythbusters, but they got together, and they got a group of five guys, and they built this, uh, and they went nonstop. It took them five days, five adult men, to build this thing. It's a lot of work, but when you open this box, which is a huge box, when you open it up, there's all these little boxes, and there's a piece of paper right on the top, and it says specifically, big, bold letters, only open box number one. Because if you were to open all the boxes in this big box and you got 75,000 pieces on the floor, I don't care how good the manual is, you are never going to build that thing. You're going to be overwhelmed. Silly illustration to bring a point to life. God shares with us what we need to know, not what we want to know. This whole relationship with God is about trust. The deeper you go with God in your relationship, the more you mature with God in your relationship, which we all should be doing, the more trust needs to be built. And sometimes we get to a point where God goes, I'm going to do something. And we kind of have an inkling of what he might do. But then he goes, I'm just asking you for the next step. And I'll tell you, sometimes it's scary. It's scary when you're in leadership. Because you're like, God, I believe you're going to do something great. I believe there's greater things yet to come. I believe the promises of your word. I'm not quite sure how to get from here to there. But you have shown yourself faithful in the past. Just a few months ago, when God laid on my heart, hey, I want to take everything that the church has been doing, and I want to connect you with the community. And I'm like, Lord, I see the two things, but I don't see how to get it done. And then there's a phone call from Mandy. Hey, so we got this event in September and we don't have anybody to work it. I'm like, ding, ding, light goes on. I'm like, okay, next step, got it. Got it. And we executed that and it was phenomenal. All God is asking from you sometimes is just be obedient to the next step. God is the master builder. He'll put it all together. All you need is the next instruction from God. And I'm not saying that don't, don't go into life with not having a plan, <laughs> okay? That's gonna be very frustrating for you. We gotta have plans. We gotta try to put some, some type of structure together to move forward. But your structure has to be not so firm that it's reason why so many times in school we're gonna have rural Florida communities, they're not having church this morning, they're out serving in their community because that's what God wanted, <laughs> And so I don't know what next week will bring. The plan is to have church. The plan is to have all these ministry things that we laid out earlier. But if God goes in a different direction, we will respond, and we'll step into what God has for us. All we need is the next instruction, which brings us to point number two. Don't get ahead of God. Don't get ahead of God. We've got to learn to wait. The disciples asked the Lord, at this time, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit, their their number one thing, their number one concern was, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now you might think, like, what is this? What are they talking about? Well, the Jewish people were underneath Roman occupation. If you've been coming on Wednesday night and we've been watching The Chosen, we've seen that laid out for us in a visual way. The Jewish people were underneath Roman oppression. It was not fun at all. They were getting squeezed by the Romans. And there were those who thought, when the Messiah comes, he's coming to free us from Roman oppression. That's what they were looking for. So many were looking for, as a Messiah, is a military leader that would step in there. But that's not what Scripture talks about, and it's not what Jesus came to do. He came to restore us spiritually with, with God. That was the revolution. It wasn't a military revolution. It wasn't a call to arms. And so so many people missed out on Jesus in the moment because they were looking for something that wasn't what Jesus was coming to do. So now they're asking Jesus, that was their focus. At this time, are we going to overthrow the Romans? Are you going to come and free us from Roman oppression? And today, a similar question is asked in the church. Jesus is coming back, which he is coming back. But so many people right now are focused on that this has got to be it this has got to be when jesus is coming back and their mind gets solely focused on that and i want to tell you you are missing the important thing because the answer he had to the disciples then is the same answer he has for us today stop focusing on that and focus on this instead it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the father has set up by his authority god knows when jesus is coming back it's circled on His calendar. He knows and you don't. Not a person on this planet knows. Only God. It will happen when God decides it's going to happen. It won't be late, it will be right on time. That's not the focus. It's not for us to know. But he, the very next thing Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. What God cares about, what he wants us to focus on is to be witnesses for his kingdom. I realize it's difficult right now. I realize so many of you are going through so many hardships. I know that the cost of groceries has skyrocketed. The cost of gas, it's hard to get certain things. We're spending on average about $500 more a month just to live life. I know it's tough. And I know we're like, oh, Jesus, just come back and free us from this. The hour has not yet come. And we are not to focus on the coming of Christ, but to be his witnesses until he comes back. Because somebody needs to know Jesus that doesn't know him today. And you are the ones called to share the gospel message. You are the ones called. The church is called to be his witnesses. A lot of us want to hear God say, go. We want to hear that. We like when when God says yes. We to quiet ourselves and to really hear. What about the times when God says no? What about the times when God says wait? We talk so much about the book of Acts and the fact of, Go make disciples, which absolutely is true, and we talked about that a little bit earlier in the service, right? It's like make disciples as you go. Absolutely, I'm behind that, 100%. It's important. It's the great commission of the church. Isn't it interesting that the book of Acts doesn't start with a command go, it starts with a command wait. But we often don't think about that because we just want to go. Our culture revolves around speed fast internet, fast food, fast results. And in return, the church has done the same thing. We want fast, quick. We tell God what we want and how we expect it, and we expect him to deliver. And we have lost an ability in the modern-day church to wait on God. And too often, what we do is our will in the name of God. Oh, but, but we're, we're, we're loving people. Oh, we're doing this. We're doing that. But did we wait on God? Acts 1-4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised you, which you have heard me speak about. The de- disciples didn't know what to expect or what to do, but they knew what they had heard from Jesus. Wait. There was no amount of time given. God didn't say wait an hour or a day, three days or a week or a month or a year. He just said wait. God already knew exactly when. Jesus knew when the Holy Spirit would show up. It was circled on God's calendar. He knew when it would happen, yet he did not tell the disciples how long they would have to wait. And sometimes God does not tell you how long you have to wait. The pastor, I can't wait. I can't wait. What I have to do is too important. It's ministry that I'm doing. Or I've heard this one. It's real ministry I'm doing. Like there's a difference between ministry and real ministry. Like I think it's just ministry. But it's ministry. We can't wait. We can't afford to wait. I can't afford to slow down. I'm going to tell you, you can't afford not to. Because every single time in the Bible when God's people got ahead of God, Bad things happened. And sometimes God in his graciousness gives you what you're wanting when it's not really his best for you. When we sit there and we just say, we whine and complain and we're like, we're going to do it one way or another. God, we need a king. We need a king. That's That's not my will for you. We need a king, we need a king, we need a king. And then they got Saul, and then they were like, this wasn't a good deal. Because Saul wasn't a very good king for very long. Because God's people so desperately wanted a physical king when God wanted to be the king for them. Sometimes I think we, we settle, church, and we get impatient. And God has something better for you. As we get ready to close, I want to share one more thing with you this morning. It's the lesson of two marshmallows. How many people like marshmallows? Oh, man. I knew Chris Kafer would raise his hand. All right. I got some extra ones for Jenny later. Hey, Chris, heads up. All right. Who else likes marshmallows? Oh, back row. (laughs) We'll see how far I can. (laughs) Hey, that was pretty good. I know you lost it in the light. It's okay. Anybody over here? Okay. Here we go. Boy, man, we're really testing my arm. You guys gotta sit closer to the front. So look, the throws are there. I feel like Aaron Rodgers. Like, where are the wide receivers? Anybody over here? John's over here, but that's okay. I was like, I, I can find. Share with you a story about two marshmallows on delayed gratification. Reese to receive two marshmallows. and to eat one marshmallow right away. Or wait for a few minutes to receive two marshmallows. After observing the results and the, and tracking these children for many years, Stanford University researchers determined that the children who waited for two marshmallows grew up to be more mature, more successful adults than those who didn't wait. Watching children contend uh, with their, with their patience while waiting for a marshmallow or birthday cake or ice cream can bring a smile to anybody's face. We've all been there, and your kids are so anticipating getting that thing. But the battle doesn't end when we're children. The battle goes on into our adulthood. Are we willing to wait and hold on? Are we willing to wait in line? Are we willing to to wait for what's better as God's children? Are we willing to wait on our knees? And have a conversation with God. And be able to hear the voice of God in our life. Say wait or go. Are we willing to wait? I want to tell you this morning. We've got to learn to wait on God. Psalms 37.7 says be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. It's tough when you're at your workplace and you see somebody whose character doesn't line up with scriptures, but you see them being blessed and you feel like you get neglected. It's tough. It's tough sometimes when you look at other churches and what they're doing and you're like, well, we, we, we just need to do this. We just need to implement this program or do this study or do that. We never ask God. Is God in control? Does God oversee your life? I will tell you this. God is just, and he balances the books in the end. Be faithful. And we need to remember this. Not every reward that we are meant to get are we going to get on this side of eternity. And I wonder sometimes if what we're wanting is I just want a marshmallow now. I just want it now. I'm hungry. my Madonna has left me from breakfast. I just want the marshmallow. But if I wait on the Lord when I get to heaven, there'll be two marshmallows waiting for me. Church, I want us to be a two-marshmallow church. (laughs) I want us to be able to wait on the voice of the Lord, to be obedient to him, And I'm telling you, what God has for us is far better than what we could plan for ourselves. It's way better. Worship team, if you'd come get ready. This morning, as we get ready to close, I want to pray for you. God knows what he's doing in your life. God knows what he's doing in the life of our church. Maybe it hasn't all worked out the way that we thought. I'd be the first one to tell you that. But what God has for us is better than what we have in store in our own mind. Maybe today God is saying, just wait, wait on me. Maybe the reason that God is saying wait is because maybe you need some healing in your own life. Maybe there's something inside of you that God wants to work on and fix. Maybe it's in your marriage, or maybe it's something from your childhood. Maybe it's something that you've recently experienced. Maybe you've got a loss in your life, and there is still a grieving process that you have to walk through, and I just want to tell you, it's okay. God knows what he's doing. Don't push your will through. When God has something better for you, learn to wait on his voice. Learn to wait on his timing. We can't see everything that God is doing for us, And it just reassured me this week. So I want to share it with you. Psalms 81.16. He would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with the honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. The finest of wheat. God, the, the, the things that God wants to do in your life are the greatest things. It's the greatest things. And sometimes the avenue he uses to get us there is difficult. It's the conduit of hardship, right? It's the conduit of conflict. We talked about that a few weeks ago but God knows what he's doing. What he has for you is something good. But the second part of the scripture talks about honey from a rock. I've never seen honey come from a rock. What? Because guess what? Sometimes God's provision for you comes from an unlikely place. Mike and I were talking about this scripture earlier this week. The real honey comes from the rock of Christ. A solid rock that so many people could not see for what it was. They could not see Jesus as the Savior or the Messiah. You might be in a mess today, and you can't see, I can't see any way where the blessing's going to come. Let me tell you, honey can come from the Rock Church because we've got a, a God who does miracles. Let's pray, and then I'm going to let the worship team lead us in some final worship songs, and, and Mike's going to close us in prayer for our offering today. Lord, this may not be the message people anticipated when they walked into this place when we talked about we were going to step into Acts. But it's the message we needed to hear today. God, I know you have amazing, great things for people here. There's someone here this morning, you feel like something has been robbed from you. It's, you, you relate to when I said the disciples felt like the rug was pulled out from, from them because, because you feel like the rug's been pulled out from you. You thought you, you had a plan, you thought you had a blessing, and now it feels like that's been stolen from you. I want to tell you God's promises will be fulfilled in His time, and you will be blessed beyond measure. Wait on the Lord, wait on Him. God knows what He's doing. I know it's hard. I know it's emotional. I know there's pain and there's suffering right now. But stay the course. God hasn't abandoned you. He's given you the strength to endure because he's got two marshmallows for you at the end of the road. He's got a double portion of blessing for you, church, if you're willing to wait on him. Be faithful to the Lord. Don't run away. Stay with it. Stick with it. If God this morning is speaking to you and you've been wanting to go and you've been praying about going and you've been beating on the door to go, 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 and maybe God is trying to whisper to you and you can't hear him because you're, you're praying so loud you can't hear his voice and he's saying, just wait on me. I know what I'm doing. Just wait. The door will open at the right time. The opportunity will show up at exactly the right time. Don't force your will into existence because you're going to mess, and mess it all up, you're going to get one marshmallow when God had a blessing of multiples for you. Wait on the Lord. Lord, I pray over our people this morning, God, that you would pour out your spirit, that you would sustain us in the moments where you ask us to wait. We do not wish to get ahead of you, and we do not want to be dragging behind. We want to stay in step with you, and the only way we can do that is through your Holy Spirit. You put us exactly where we need to be when we need to be there. And God, I know there are blessings to come for your church. An incredible, meaningful, there are good things ahead of us. God, I thank you for these amazing people. I love them so much because you love them. They are amazing. Please, Lord, move in their lives. Provide for them. Let them know they are not alone. Comfort them in the midst of their heartache and pain. Reassure them that you are there and real and want to move in their life. Help me to pastor them effectively. And as a church, Lord, as we move into a new season, that God, we just want to be where you want us to be. We don't want our our concept or idea of where we should be to overshadow where you have us. We don't want to lag behind when you ask us to take a step forward. God, show us each step. Make our path straight. Show us each step, each foothold we're to take as a church in the days, the weeks, the months, the years ahead of us that we might make a difference in Ripon. We might make a difference in Wisconsin. And we might make a difference around the globe. May we be the little church that followed Jesus and great things followed them. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, we're going to worship together one more time. Would you stand to your feet today? Guys, I really want to encourage you. I know know we offer services online, and I'm very glad that we can do that. But I'm telling you, don't miss out. Because guys, God is going to do some really incredible things. And I want you to be here to experience it with us. And I know vacations and emergencies and all that, you got to do life. But if you can be here, be here for church, guys, because it's going to be good. And God's got great things in store for us. Amen? Mike, would you and the worship team lead us, and then would you close us in prayer today?
3: There's honey in the rock, water, Stone About freedom. Freedom, where, where the Spirit, Spirit is, is, bounty in the wilderness, you will always satisfy. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, banana on the ground. in your plan, power in the blood, healing in your hands, Started for me when you said it was done, everything you did, enough, I keep looking, I keep finding, you keep giving, keep providing, you are all that I need, you keep all that I need. In your plan, power, power in the, the blood, healing in your hands. Started flowing when you said it was done. Everything, Everything you did seemed up the there, honey in the rock. Amen, honey in the rock. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is. Trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet. How sweet it is. To trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet. How sweet it is. To trust in in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet. How sweet it is. To trust in you, Jesus. There's honey. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone And on the ground, no matter where I go I don't have to worry now that I know Everything I need you've got There's honey in the rock, purpose in your plan Power in the blood, healing in your hands Started flowing when you said it was done Everything you need's out there's honey in the rind. Let's sing I Surrender All. And I Surrender. to God. In his time he makes all things beautiful all All to Jesus. Jesus Lord, we pray as we have the opportunity to give. Lord, out in the foyer, in the giving box, or out online. Lord, we thank you that you said to give, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, good measure, shaken together, shall God give unto you. My heart is yours. My heart. Take it all, take it all, my life in your hands, my heart is yours, Yours, offer it to him. people said.